Well, welcome to the Faithfully Entrusted Podcast with author, teacher, pastor, Dr. Travis Tyler. I'm Zachariah Pugh, and I will be your host for today. Thank you for joining us, and Travis, welcome to the show. How are you today? Doing good. Just uh, been a bit of an uphill battle with technology this morning, but we're we're getting there. We're you, getting there. Yeah, you won't you won't see us video video because we're doing a full out true um, audio podcast today, and Travis may sound a little different because he's he's on his phone. But from my point of view, it sounds pretty good. So we'll we'll rock and roll. So Travis, what do you have for us today? Today, I would like to discuss with our listeners, how do I make decisions biblically? Hmm. And this is a, a hot topic in the Christian faith because I think a lot of people make decisions uh, based on unbiblical reasoning and use methods and motives that I would caution against, and we'll talk about that. But um, yeah, let's, let's start with the passage. Colossians tells us, Paul writes, We have not ceased praying for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. So we're going to, you know, I, I think that's what people are after when they're trying to make biblical decisions. They're trying to figure out, well, what is God's will for my life? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that for just a minute so that we can be clear on ex- precise what we're doing. Precise language is important, right? So there's when we talk about will— there's really what we would break God's will down into um, two different types or of will understood. Now, I think they work together, but as far as from our perspective, it would be two types. So there's like God's kind of decreed sovereign will, which could almost be called his secret will, which is known to God and God alone. It's right. so like, when is Christ going to return? Uh, what are the future events that are going to happen in my life? How am I going to die? All of that's part of like sovereign will of God. Uh, the only way to discern the secret sovereign will of God is to look backwards into the past. It cannot be known in the future. We don't have prophets in the sense that we're able to do that, where God would reveal like Jeremiah or Isaiah in the Old Testament. Prophets today just reveal what has already been revealed. And then we have a prescriptive will or the revealed will. Okay. So that's different in that that's really just the scriptures, right? I'd say like, it's not a sufficient thing, but the all sufficient scriptures and the word of God contains biblical commands and principles and applied knowledge, also known as wisdom. Mm. That's what it is. So you've got to have those biblical commands and principles in order to have wisdom. So the question then is, can we make any assumptions when pursuing the will of God? You know, and we live in an area where mysticism is very popular. There's been some very famous preachers that if I name them, they're mysticists. People will be like, no, not them, but they are. Um, and I'm not going to do that, but, you know, I'll just say one of them died recently. So anyway, but, you know, they, they talk about God's <laughs> and will and decision-making uh, and, say things like, well, God told me, and it's like, it's kind of confusing, I think, particularly for new believers or established believers who have never heard from God the way they describe. Yeah. And so uh, I've always sort of questioned that whenever preachers get up there and use that kind of language. But um, here's what we can safely assume when we're making decisions. One, that God is gracious and has provided us with everything we need in our decision-making process. Mm. So I think that's a face, a simple presupposition. Two, don't be looking for the secret or sovereign will of God 
when he's never promised you that he will give it to you before it happens. And three, scripture has bearing on all decisions. One way or another, by commands, either positive or negative, or by principles, wisdom is in is at its purest form found in scripture and then is revealed to us in human reasoning uh, and advice and experience. So those are the safe presuppositions we could make. Now let's talk about when we do uh, decision-making, some methods and motives that we should be avoiding or perhaps very cautious of, all right? First one should be fairly obvious, Zach, and that's just misusing the Bible. Yeah, and right? that's a problem so, today for sure, right? <laughs> you know, people grab the Bible yeah. up and they'll take a Bible. You know, I like what one of my seminary professors would say, any verse out of context is a pretext for whatever you want to say. Right. So you can, you know, I, I know not to pick on them, but Pentecostals love to do something called rhema words where they'll, God, please help me with this issue. They'll take their Bible, randomly flip it open, and they'll see a verse and take it out of context to say whatever it is they want to say. Right. That's misusing the Bible. Yeah. Okay. Second is personal advice. Now, this may sound odd because Proverbs says that there is, you know, safety and collection of, of wise counselors. But here's a question. Can godly people give you or advise you wrongly? Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So that's that can be faulty. You know, I still think it's good to collect wisdom from multiple people, uh, but um, that you can be advised incorrectly. I think that's why it's, I think I think that's why it's good when you're doing that. I think it's good to, to get the advice from people, but you need to get it from two or three different people, you know, and see, yeah, you know, where it all pattern. Yeah. Where it all comes in. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, Job had three friends and yeah. none of them advised him well. So, I mean, they were, <laughs> that's right. The, the danger with godly people is they may say true things, but apply them wrongly. Yeah, exactly. And understand them wrongly. Yeah. That's the big, you know, with, with personal advice. And then of course, if you get advice from an unbeliever, they're detached from biblical truth. So they're going to advise you in a worldly fashion instead of a godly fashion. So right. I would probably avoid that altogether. Absolutely. Um, third thing is circumstances and results this is really just living life pragmatically looking at results and numbers and this can be misleading like for example think about Moses when God instructed him and they were in the desert and they didn't have food and they didn't have water and God said speak to the rock and it'll produce water but what did Moses do he hit the rock he hit the rock. So, you know, was he establishing a pattern for, you know, uh, how it got results? He hit the rock, it got results, right? But he didn't do what God had called him to do. That's right. And, um, you know, we have many things like that in the church today. The big topic at the convention this week that I didn't go to was the issue of women pastors and Rick Warren and Saddleback. Right. And and they they churched him, right? They put him out. They put Rick Warren out. The convention did, stood with biblical truth. And it's like, well, you know, we've got these women pastors here at Saddleback, and they get results. Well, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Just like when Moses struck the rock, water came out. Yeah. But that's not that's not been God's instruction. Well, even even so you, even Jesus said, you know, like, you know, the for the one that came and said, you know, did I did I not cast out demons in your name? Did I not minister in your name? And he says, "Depart from me, evil doer. I never knew you." I think right. we have to remember that that some people can come to salvation through 
an unbeliever or a heretic um, because mm-hmm. it's not that person that saves anybody. It's Christ that and saves them. So, so yeah. I mean, word of caution here. We're not saying that if you're a female pastor that you're a heretic right now, but I would say it's on par with striking the rock, uh, you know, that you're not exactly following the full instruction that God's laid out clearly. Well, and that's something that I would love to do a podcast on that because that's a bit of a hot, hot button issue. And me as a lay person, uh, I've got some thoughts on that and 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 every, everything else, but you know, but yes, we'll we'll keep going. But maybe down the road we'll do one on that because I do well, think I do think the destruction. I think the part of our church, I think the LGBTQT plus issue and the lacks on biblical principles is is what is starting to infiltrate the church and start to destroy it from the inside out. Well, that's always been the goal, isn't it? Yep. All right, we got to move on to the next one: setting up conditions. Uh, we see this in Gideon. You know, Gideon was, you know, when we first find Gideon, he's threshing in a valley, which that doesn't strike a 21st century American reader as a problem. But to anybody in Gideon's day, it was you threshed on the hilltop. So it was easier to get rid of the the junk from the wheat you were trying to get. The wind would blow it away on the hilltop. He's threshing in a valley because he's a coward. And, you know, the angel approached him, oh, Gideon, man of valor, you know what I mean? And he's he's acting cowardly, but God's referring to him as, as a man of valor, and he's scared. And so in his decision-making process, should I do this? You know, he puts out that fleece, and, you know, one night it's wet and the ground's dry, the next night it's dry and the ground's wet, you know, or whichever way it was. It might have been reversed. But the point is, it's like God had already instructed him what to do, he, he was still nervous and scared to do it, so he put this fleece out, and it's really not a, you know, setting up conditions like that and asking for signs through prayer are not reassurance things. They're actually marks of faith that don't believe. Hmm. That's a good point, yeah. Um, third thing is uh, open and closed doors. Now, you might be shocked for me to say to avoid this in the decision makings, but well, let me just point this out to you. Everybody say, well, when God closes a window, he always opens a door. How many times you heard that? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me we'll say, just say this. It's, it's good. It's not a drinking game. How about that? I know, right? Well, um, <laughs> lots of open doors are really just open elevator shafts. And if you yeah. walk through the door, doesn't mean that it's going to go well or that it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so you better be careful about, quote, open doors in your life. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I you don't think it, Satan you don't think Satan can open some doors for you? Yeah, huh? well, well that and even when we go through doors that God has opened for us, we can destroy it. Uh just like the Israelites did when they went through the open door of freedom and then made a golden calf and then had to drink the gold. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, ideas, inner feelings, desires and impressions. Boy, you're really getting at it today, Pastor T. You're not leaving me much to work with, right? Uh <laughs> Very subjective. All these are very subjective. For example, think of King David in the Old Testament, sitting in his house. He's looking around. He's like, I got this house, and we worship in the Lord in a tent. I want to build the Lord a temple. I have this desire to see the temple of the Lord built. But did he ever, what did God tell him? No, you're not going to build it. I'm going to have your son do it. I mean, he's he's got the desire. Yeah, and a good thing. And a good thing. It's a really good, good thing, thing. But he, yeah. he's not going to be the one to no. do it. Too, right? much, too much blood on his hands. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, an audible voice <laughs> should Ooh. not be trusted. Yeah. Second <laughs> uh, Peter 2.19 says, While they promised them liberty, 
they themselves are servants of corruption of whom a man is overcome of the same uh, is he uh, to bondage so you know you can hear just because you hear an inner voice of some kind uh, you know i would argue hebrews 1 1 and 2 point out that christ speaks directly through the scriptures now not through still small voices audio voices or any voice of any kind nor talking donkeys nor burning bushes nor whatever else you want going out into the woods and hearing things and then writing a Uh, 67th book you know the you could hear wrongly or you could hear correctly but what's being said is wrong (laughs) so i think uh, uh, i think where i've always landed on this is that if god wants you to do something you're you're going to know what to do like just mm. just hold tight (laughs) you know like Mm. you're you're going to find out in your quiet time i mean you're it's going to be revealed to you because god always gets done what he needs done um while we're talking about it prayer misusing prayer I'm just going to make a real simple statement here. I personally have come to the conviction through much study in prayer, much study in scripture and prayer, that prayer is more you speaking to God, not God speaking to you. Yeah. God speaks to you through the revealed word of God. Yeah, and it has to be this way because if you get outside these parameters, weird stuff happens. Yeah. Colts begin. Uh, and I'm not talking uh, about the Indianapolis Colts. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Uh, inner peace. Oh, I just don't. You know, one of the things that Craig, I love to say to my wife when she says, Trey, will you grab the trash? And I'll be like, honey, I just don't have peace about that. I don't have peace about taking the garbage out. <laughs> so well, I do, right? Jonah in the Old Testament did not want to go to Nineveh at all. Right. He hated that idea. And he had great peace climbing into a ship to Tarsus. And he was at, so at peace, he was able to climb into the bows of the ship and go to sleep. Mm. You can't trust inner peace. No. Because sometimes... You know, think of Jeremiah. Jeremiah experienced emotional turmoil. He says, I, I, I've got these terrible things I have to say to Israel, who all their pastors, all their prophets are corrupt except for me. All of their priests are corrupt. All the spiritual leaders are corrupt. And judgment's about to fall on Egypt as well as Judah. And it's not going to make me popular. Everybody loves Egypt, and, they, and you know, everybody loved the corrupt religious leaders of their day. But he says it's a fire in my bones. I gotta, I gotta expel. I'm so discomfortable. I'm so uncomfortable emotionally, internally. I have to say these awful things. So inner peace is not a guide. Uh, devices, flipping coins, casting lots. Yeah. <clears throat> not good. The, and so, so some some people are gonna say, well, they did this back in the day. You know, they did this. They did this. They did this back in the day. So why can't we do it now? And what's the answer to that, Zach? Well, I mean, it's just, I think what you you said about Hebrews 1, like God reveals himself through the word. We don't need to do that anymore. And we have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Signs, self-explanatory, and usually Jesus himself said, wicked is the generation that looks for a sign. Mm. Dreams. That's tough for us uh, today, real quick, signs, because everybody thinks it's the end times and we're looking for, like, you know, white calves and stuff being made in Israel and... And yeah, we can definitely we can definitely get lost in the media and news of our day looking for signs. So yeah. Well, how how, how good is it for Satan to take those things and distract you from what you should be doing, yeah. which is the great commission and the great commandments? Yeah, just look, just follow Jesus and. Let me just you. read the paper all day and try to put a timeline together from Daniel and Revelation, and, and then <laughs> Jesus still said you still won't know. Right. Yeah. You know, you could spend 40 years doing it. You still won't know. That's right. All right. Dreams. Uh, could be from God. Could be a bad burrito from Taco Bell. 
You know what I mean? Could be a, just a hyperactive imagination. <laughs> That's right. You know? uh, waiting on God. Some people use this to just mean simply sitting still and passively doing nothing, which, you know, I like Dr. Moeller's, um, he's preached two sermons in chapel once. One of them was don't just do something, stand there. And the other one was don't just stand there, do something, right? Don't just do something. Stand. So sometimes, you know, it depends on the situation where it is, you know, you uh, there's times you wait on God, and there's times you you're called to action. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, don't just, don't lean on a shovel praying for a hole. Yeah, <laughs> like that, yeah. come on, God, do it. I love that. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Uh, your conscience. Now, this one I have to be careful with because I generally don't counsel people to go against their conscience. But let us remember, our conscience is more of a guard, not a guide. Uh, we need to renew it with Scripture. Yeah. Okay. Reason, can your reasoning, according to Proverbs, can be infected with sin. So you can reason out a solution and answer in your decision-making that may not be God-honoring. Hmm. Um, faith, unbiblical faith, right? What does really faith boil down to here? It's we must take God at his word and be obedient. You know, faith is not an example of unbiblical faith is those people who, you know, really drink strychnine and take, you know, take an opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, handle poisonous snakes and all that. I mean, that's testing God, which is instructed against. That's not, that's not being obedient. That's, you know, putting on a show. Yeah. Uh, fasting. Some see it as like a magic thing. If I skip a meal or two, God will just, you know, he'll, he'll give me the answer. Well, he might just, you might just be making yourself thinner. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, then uh, the quote, the call, confirmation from others, and when you have a desire to do something, that could be misleading because the group could be telling you the wrong thing. And then finally, a small group. You're collecting counsel from a small group kind of relates to the one we pointed out a minute ago. So those are the ones you got to, and I'll just say et cetera, because there are other things that are questionable motives and things like that. But those are the ones I would say be careful of. Well, you gave us a dadgum bushel full, so. I, I can't imagine no. how much how much more there is. I think too we like let me come back around and say a lot of this stuff is good stuff. I think I don't think Pastor Tyler or, or myself are saying don't fast and and don't you know don't talk to your Christian friends and don't share in your small groups. But you got to take everything with a grain of salt. And and I would I would always lead back to what you said. I think you said it two or three times and all that that you know Christ reveals himself God reveals himself to us through the scriptures so the first thing I would say is when you're making a decision if you're not studying the Bible every day you know if you're not in the word of God every day then you, you you're going to maybe have a tough time making some decisions you know correctly uh that's there's no maybe there's no maybe yeah I'm being facetious you, you have you have to mm -hmm. do it and I've always heard it too is and maybe you'll get into this a little further down Travis um but just right and left decisions, moral decisions, you know, like I'm a, I'm a marketing director, so I can't, I don't, I, I cannot go be a marketing director for, um, Playboy magazine. You know, I can't do that. Right. That goes against my, uh, beliefs. I don't know that I could go be a marketing director for Jack Daniels. Um, mm -hmm. but could I go be a marketing director for a small truck company in middle Tennessee? Absolutely. Could I go do it for a church? Absolutely. So, so there's some of those things where, you know what's the what does the Bible tell us from a moral standpoint about what you should yeah. and shouldn't be doing? Should I date this girl? Well, she's not a follower of Christ. You shouldn't date that girl. 
you know you're unequally mm-hmm. yoked so those are the things yeah that's what that's what we're going to get into now is the um, prerequisites for dis- biblical decision making and then the process since yeah. we've kind of talked about what not to do let's talk about what to do does that sound good mm-hmm. so first of all you've sort of already laid this out but be rightly related to christ mm-hmm. uh, we're told about this in second corinthians 5 we should also be pursuing a life of worship to god that should be both individually daily privately and collectively with the local body mm. um, you're, there is a intrinsic value that God has given in being with the body together and I would argue that if you're not regularly engaged with a small group uh, and a church family in this part of the body you your community is a safeguard against making foolish decisions oftentimes I know I said earlier it's not always good but a lot of times it is good and then finally, recognizing God's sovereignty over all things. You know, those are kind of the prerequisites there. And so now let's talk about the process. I would say it kind of breaks down into seven, maybe eight steps here in the process of biblical decision making. First of all, you need to continue to be humble, yielding, and dependent uh, upon God's will and who He is. Second of all, you need to pray for wisdom, for the Spirit to assist you in bringing to bear what scripture says about your situation. James 1.5 talks about this. Often this is praying that God will assist you in recalling his word and how it will apply in the situation you're facing. Third, you need to gather all the factual data needed to make a wise decision. Proverbs 18.13 encourages to do that. What are the facts? Not what you think about the facts, not how you feel about the facts, but what are the facts of the situation? Fourth, study any direct commands in Scripture concerning the particular issue. Uh, this may take the form of positive commands in the form of prohibitions. Make you know, might need a Bible concordance to do that, a topical Bible. Use that you know with a little bit of caution, but you know, and then other Bible tools. Uh, you know, ask the question: Is there anything wrong with this activity? Is it lawful? Right, First Corinthians ten twenty three. Um, study the application principles. In scripture concerning the issue right this is one of the most neglected areas of decision making for Christians so here's some questions we want to ask is there something I can thank God for right yes or no so um, is this something that will glorify God is this something worth imitating in doing this is this following the example of Christ is this beneficial does it promote my spiritual life is it a practice that over time will tend to master me? Will it stimulate a desire that will be difficult to control? Right? You know, you gave that one example. You can't work for Playboy. That will be problematic for you on multiple levels, personally and publicly. Right? Um, and then I would say number six, weigh the purposeful use of freedom. Galatians 5, 13, 1 Corinthians 8. You know, there's a, there's a principle of freedom given. You know, there was people who came out of paganism, struggled with, you know, eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And so um, in the end, though, many of them did it. Many of them didn't do it. Uh, You need to ask, is this self-serving at the expense of someone else's benefit? Uh, Will my choice affect others? If so, in what way? Is it an occasion where my flesh and sinfulness is seeking to indulge itself? And is it constructive? Will it Promote the spiritual well-being of other believers if they engage in this practice that is permissible for me. Seven, we're we're nearing the end here now. Affirm that your desires are truly God-honoring. Look at Psalm 37.4, right? Uh, 
what do I want or wish to do, and will it bring glory to God? And then finally, if you still can't decide, try the holding principle, right? Romans 14, 23, Hebrews 11, 25. If it involves a troubled conscience, you might possibly sin in moving straight ahead. So be careful with your conscience. And then second of all, you may need to go back and gather more data, both in the initial data gathered or in the commands and principles of Scripture, and make sure you've looked at the entirety of Scripture on the particular issue. I think we have to remember, um, you know, in the Bible, when it talks about the heart, it's talking about the mind, you know, the heart. They, they believe that the heart was what made all the decisions. And, you know, I think about Jeremiah seventeen nine. the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately, desperately sick. Who can understand it? I think about how there's been a lot of decisions in my life, you know, where I ultimately I knew what I wanted to do. You know, I went through all these steps, but ultimately it was like, I'm going to do this because it's what I want. It's what my heart wants. Um, and I think we got to be really, really careful about that. Like we're, you know, I know there's been many times in my life where I've gone into the decision making process with the decision already made, you know, and, yeah, uh, yeah. because it's what I wanted or what I thought I wanted. Yeah, and you can manipulate those things that I warned you about any way you want uh, to get that. But uh, I think we got one nugget today. Give it to me. Uh, that is from uh, Jeff Thomas. There is no greater peril in the Christian life than that of making our emotions the touchstone for our duties. Mm. Deep, deep, deep thought. So, yeah, very, very good All stuff. right, that's it for me today, brother. Biblical decision-making. What is God's will? It's a question that's been asked a lot uh, around a lot of different small groups. I know we talked about it on uh, Wednesday night with my small group. So, Travis, thank you for putting us all together and uh, all the wisdom that you've given us. We'll put the notes up on the podcast. So if you want to check out any of these verses and do your own research, we would want you to, we want you to do that. Check us out. Make sure we're, uh, we're not spewing false information. Right, Travis? Always uh, trust but verify. That's right. That's right. We appreciate you listening today for the faith to the Faithfully Trusted Podcast. You can check us out on our Facebook page, or you can find this podcast wherever podcasts are listened to. So do that, and make sure you share our podcast. For Dr. Travis Tyler, I'm Zachariah Pugh. Join us next time when we open God's Word to find out how Christ has faithfully entrusted us with His Word. We will see you next time. Have a great day. God bless.